Thank you for checking out episode number 61 of the Paltrowcast with Darren Paltrowitz. This episode features three interviews taped in November 2020 with great artists with new projects to speak of. Those artists, you ask? Orianthi, The Good Brothers, and David Duchovny. First up is my interview with Orianthi, who I first discovered probably in 2009 because of her song, According to You. Either way, She is a guitar virtuoso and also a great singer-songwriter. You don't usually see both of those things coming out of the same artist, per se. Her new album, which came out earlier this month, is called Oh. It was a collaboration with Marty Fredrickson, who wrote a lot of the Aerosmith hits. Great songwriter and producer. Either way, super nice person who is a pleasure to speak with after knowing of her for over a decade now. So how's everything there with with uh, what's going on? You guys are uh, holding up. New York and California are very similar with what's going on politically, lifestyle-wise. You guys have the nicer weather, and it's just kind of the stuff in the middle is very different. So we're on the beach. You're on the beach. I think it's the same vibes. Completely, yeah. Well, thank you for taking the time, and thank you for waiting for me. I appreciate that. (laughs) My pleasure. Congratulations on this new album. I've heard that it's been done for a while, but it sounds very fresh. It sounds very now. And I have so many questions about that, if I can ask. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. Great album title aside. Did you know outright that you were going to be working with Marty? Um, After we did the demo together of Rescue Me, which is the first song that we wrote together, yes, I felt like this is the way I want to go. It's the person I want to work with. Marty's been a friend of mine since I was 20 years old. So he kind of, we started writing together for the first record when I moved over here from Australia. And then um, what happened was we reconnected and we did some stuff together for Heaven This Hell. We actually did a song called Sexy Bazaar with Steven Tyler, who did the you know duet with me on that track. And then, you know, we ended up just hanging out and jamming together in Maui with Alice Cooper and whatnot because he's always with, you know, hanging out with Stephen and Aerosmith guys. So, yeah, when I got in the studio with him, I just felt the vibe was right. Um, And we made the whole record in 28 days. So, you know, it was pretty vibed and not overthought. And I definitely just wanted to create sort of a different sound. It's not a complete departure from my past records, but it definitely, you know, has like electronic vibes. It has... Mm -hmm. um, rock pop you know there's so many different things going on with this record um but um ultimately you know it's got some pop songs in there as well with sorry Mm -hmm. the next single and and um but yeah i definitely felt that that it was the right direction as soon as we we did rescue me the first uh demo you answered a lot of what i was about to ask which is that this new album does have different genres it does have different feels you give into some of the pop stuff but a lot of it sounds like it's a power trio writing in the room together 
So how many songs did you pare it down from? Um, we had a couple of others too we were working on, but ultimately that was it sort of thing. Like, cause we went in there and it's funny cause I had some ideas that I bought with me from LA, my home studio, which is just the electronic kind of stuff I put together on Logic GarageBand. It's like GarageBand platform with Logic right. input. Cause it's easier for me to use. I'm terrible with like all that kind of stuff. But I love engineering stuff and so coming up with beats and then adding that to the real recordings and we added splice and then mix things up and put real drums and bass and all that kind of stuff. Um, yeah, I mean, it was just an interesting process, really, the whole thing. You know, it really was. And, and um, yeah, I'm, I'm excited for people to hear the whole album and I hope they dig it. You know, it's, it's not too different from having the cell or believe. I think it's kind of a that what I should do next. And then I've got something else right now I'm working on that should be the next record. So it's just, you know, people like seven years to make a new record. It's like, no, no, no. <laughs> In between that, there's a solo record, but I did do the RSO record and I have been collaborating with different artists and writing yeah. and doing an animated movie and just different things. And yeah, playing shows and stuff like that. So. Yeah. If you really go through all your different listings on IMDb and all music, it's clear that you never stopped working. It's just a ton of things come out in a three month period. And then there's a little bit of quiet and, and so forth. But going back to that album, you always have, you personally always have that extra level of pressure and that the chorus has to be good. The song has to be good. The riff has to be good, but there always has to be that great solo. So I'm curious when in the process of putting together the song, does the solo come together? Um, probably the end because I kind of hear what this whole song kind of sounds like and I don't want to do something that's just too shreddy or just, you know, and sometimes yeah. it calls for that at the end of the song, but usually the middle, the main solo is structured and I go on a vibe, like even company or any stuff like that. It's funny, the company solo was just like one or two takes because I, I could hear it in my head. Yeah, I could hear the melody in my head, so I did it. Same with Contagious. I said, I said to Marty, I can hear a, wha a whammy pedal. Do we have a whammy pedal? And so everyone was like scourging around the studio and we a whammy pedal somewhere. And um, that solo was done within a couple of takes as well because I knew exactly what I wanted to do. And, yeah, it's kind of weird like that. So, um, you know, it definitely is about structure and whatnot. But then there's other songs like Blow or like Sinner's Hymn where the first solo was more rhythmic, right? It's more like kind of, it's got that kind of Hendrix you know, Van a Gypsy's vibe, where it's just like, you know what I mean? And then it, and then it goes off at the end. But um, I, I approached every solo differently. But, yeah, you know, it's funny. A long time ago, when he hit cold for doing session work, everyone wanted the beat it solo done in a different way on their record. <laughs> and I would turn down so much stuff because I'm like, I am not doing a tapping guitar solo. Or, you know, it's just, to me, it became like a gimmick or something like that. And I, I was just like... I don't know, it, it felt weird to me, like for my spirit, and I stopped actually playing the beat at solo for people. <laughs> I refuse now, it's weird, because there was just way too many videos out there of me doing it than the actual person who did it, you know, and, and yeah. the rest of the piece, Eddie, and, but it just became such a freaking uh, gimmick and everything, and, and I was just like, no way. So same with like guessing on people's records, I'm like, well, if you want a melodic solo, like that, I'm a blues bass player. Yes. Blues rock, blues rock bass player predominantly. So I'm not like, you know, and, and that's the thing. So with, with this record, it's kind of got that sort of vibe to it, I think, like more, you know, in that sort of sense. Um, less shreddy, more sort of blues rock. I don't know if you agree with that, but yeah. I agree with that. that. The, the yeah. word that I'm going to use that's a compliment is concise. 
okay. where it's impressive, but it's not too much. It's not like Shrapnel Records, best of 1989, but at the same time, it's a better guitar solo than anything Kurt Cobain did. Would you agree oh. with that? <laughs> I appreciate that. <laughs> sure, so when we think about you as an artist, you're one of those people who five different people know from five different things. Some people know the top 40 hits from way back when, some people know the side person work, some people know, hey, that's the person from um, the Michael Jackson movie and all that work and all that. But is the goal of yours long-term to have this dual career where sometimes you're playing with other artists and sometimes you're the solo artist or is really the goal to be the person out front from now on? Both, you know, honestly, it always has been from day one because I love being the guitar player. There's way less pressure. I don't have to, you know, overlook everything. You know, when you, when you uh, kind of uh, are, are the captain of the ship, so to say, when you, when you do your own thing, so much more pressure and it's insane. And I, I think a lot of people when, you know, being the front person and, and, and having your own band that you employ and then the whole, the tour bus and the tour manager and then the, all that, I did yeah. that for years. And that's, it can become very exhausting because you know, there's a lot of stuff that goes into that and you have to be on, you do, you do all the interviews, you do everything. The band, you know, they get to chill out. So I like, I like it when, I mean, honestly, um, and I get it from both standpoints too, because being even part of the Alice Cooper band too, you know, yeah. Alice was doing all the interviews and doing all this kind of stuff, doing, you know, it's like all this stuff before the record, before, sorry, before the show. And then we were out, um, you know, shopping and walking around and doing stuff. I mean, although I was doing some solo gigs um, a lot of the time on the tour with Alice, because I had my own, I had Heaven in the Hell out at that time. But still, it was a much easier gig when you are just a guitar player or, you know, because you just, you show up and you make sure the show is 100% perfect. And that's all I cared about. As long as the show went well, that's all I cared about. Um, and uh, yeah, so it's very different. But as to answer your question, I'm definitely about doing both. And right now it's about putting out this record, doing the best I can with it, promoting it, all that kind of stuff during this pandemic, because it's a crazy time for anyone to put out music, but it's also helping people. I guess entertainment-wise, um, to have new material come out. Yeah. Obviously, I love it because I'm, you know, when I'm working out or walking, whatever it is, and or listening you know, on my stereo, I like to turn on new stuff on iTunes and hear new music. So, so it's a great thing to to have that during this time. But music is is very undervalued, and I hope that uh, things change with that as well because the fact that as musicians we make. And everybody, I'm not talking about people just starting out as musicians that have been touring for a very long time, um, make their money out on the road. Right. Make a lot of things happen out on the road. And that's how we do it. And, um, and, and nowadays it's like being on our phones and doing everything this, this way. It's very difficult. And I did a live stream at the Whiskey not too long ago. And we sang uh, and we played like five cameramen. <laughs> and that was, you know, that was kind of a little weird. But um yeah, I hope things change pretty soon because I can't wait to, to start playing some shows for people for sure with this new record. And you just kindly told me that the goal is really to have all these different projects and sometimes be the person out front, sometimes be the featured player. Who's the person that you look to most as the role model for that kind of career? My guess would be that you're the Steve Vai kind of person. That's who you're looking at. Well, I love Steve. He's a great friend of mine he's like an uncle to me you know I've known Steve since I was 14 years old and oh. he's so diverse yeah he, the first the first gig I actually had um well professional gig was because I was playing in cover bands 
but was opening for Steve Bauer when I was 14, right? And I signed my first management contract when I was 14. And then I opened for ZZ Top when I was 16 around Australia, then Santana when I was 18. And then, you know, just built sort of a career in Australia and then saved up money. And then my, my, my mom and dad were, were pretty supportive, you know, of me, were very supportive of me, you know, doing what I'm doing. Um, a crazy daughter who quit school at 15 and said, I'm going to, you know, have a platinum record around the world and own a Cadillac and tour the world. And, you know, and they were like, okay, sure. Like, you know, they thought I was so dedicated because I had like three cover bands going and that's all I cared about was music. Right. So, um, yeah, I moved over to America and I was like 20 and started making my record, got signed to Jimmy Iving because I made a record at home when I was 18 years old, um, played everything on it, drums, bass, programmed it, recorded it all, you know, just stayed in my studio. And um, that really got me, you know, a deal and then demonstrated the NAMM show with Porys with guitars and, and all of that. So it's been, you know, it's been a real journey. I mean, every, every step of the way and the people that have supported me, um, you know, like the Steve Byers or Santana or, you know, Billy Gibbons and all these different people that I've known, you know, and um, from when I was really young means the world to me because, um, you know, having that support gives you confidence, you know, to get better and better. And I never stop learning and trying to better myself. So, yeah, I don't take anything for granted. And I think that with music, um, you know, such a healer, it's such a, um, you're kind of at service to people once you realise that and once you recognize that when you take on the role of being an artist and creating songs and everything, you're not just writing it for yourself, but you're writing it to help other people as well. And, and um, I pay attention to that a lot of the time and, and I make sure it's the best it can be, every song and everything, because, um, you know, it's art. It's something you put out in the world. It's not just going out into the air at the concert. You know, when you're doing a record, it's going, it's going on something forever, so you want it to be good, not, not crappy. <laughs> Is there a lot of life for you outside of music? A lot of life? Um, yeah. I mean, I love cooking. I'm a real, I love running. There's a lot of different things I'm really interested in. And, and I've started painting as well. And, and um, you know, yeah, for sure. I think I'm going to do a, probably a cooking show pretty soon because I'm, I'm quite obsessed by cooking. I'm, I'm half Greek. So, you know, we grew up in the kitchen <laughs> at five. You know, my grandma stirring pots and, and learning how to, do things and and uh, be good housewives. <laughs> That's kind of <laughs> I learned it still to overfeed people. You know, when people don't eat, you, you know, it's like, why are you eating? <laughs> so <laughs> that's uh that's kind of what that's kind of what I do when I'm not when I'm not creating music is is cook for people. So uh, and I enjoy it. I really do. So why not make a crazy cooking show later or soon? Who knows? Uh, on the on the Greek end, this is something I've gotten a lot of different answers for. Is it pronounced? gyro or gyro it's called gyros okay so gyros. see new yorkers you ask them and they say gyros and everyone else everywhere says gyros gyros yes yeah, gyros <laughs> well that's how i said it in australia and my uh, grandparents came off a boat actually from from greece so i learned how to speak greek when i was like five six years old and some of it was pretty broken greek though too because later on they started learning english so some words got a bit mixed up so when I do speak to people from Greece they're like what are you talking about <laughs> what language is that so yeah but um yeah I mean as I said I, I love I love cooking so cooking show soon yeah I I really do hope that happens well three quick questions and then you're free and the first one have you ever spoken Greek with Tommy Lee 
No, I met uh, Tommy Lee at the MJ rehearsals, Michael Jackson rehearsals, I was rehearsing next door. And he came in and uh, I remember him, he said, congratulations on getting the gig. And because of my Aussie accent, he started bouncing around like a kangaroo <laughs> in my hand. It was really funny. And that's kind of the extent of our conversation. But, uh, you know, um, yeah, honestly, I'm a fan of Motley Crue. And I'd actually left Alice Cooper just before the Motley Crue tour. Um, but Nikki Six wrote a song with me and Marty on this new record. So, Yeah, Marty just... The credits are unbelievable, yet he's always been in the background. You know, what a modest guy. You know, written some of Hard Rock's biggest songs in the last 20 years. And just, what does Marty look like? I don't know. Yeah, no, honestly, um, writing with Nikki Six and him standing through the lyrics for Streams of Consciousness right on the record, that was really cool. You know, because Nikki just called me and said, I have these lyrics for you. And, and that was wild. And we just put music around it. And... And honestly, yeah, I was really happy with the way that song turned out. So, and honored that he wanted to, you know, work with, with me. So, a positive Nikki Six experience. Okay, well, next question best TV show of the moment? Best TV show. Gosh, I've just been watching um, right now. Oh my God. Um, at night time, I watch kind of stupid TV sometimes. So, it can be like, whether it be two and a half men or Big Bang Theory or whatever the hell's on at the time. But um, when it comes to series, I like to look up different documentaries and stuff like that, especially right now I'm watching the First Lady documentaries of like you know, Michelle Obama to Hillary Clinton to, you know, um, Jackie O, that kind of stuff. So I'm watching that right now, which is interesting because I'm learning a lot about politics and stuff like that. You know what I mean? Like it's just it's interesting to me. And, and uh, what else was I watching the other day? God, I mean, anything that's sort of interesting on, on Netflix. I was watching a really good, I don't know if it's a documentary, maybe it's a documentary movie called Phenomenon. It's about UFOs. Um, <laughs> I like stuff like that, like alien stuff. So, yeah, it's like this TV. It's like a, it's a show. I don't know what you would call it. I think it's a documentary series. Uh, but, yeah, go check it out. It's actually really good. It's scary, though. It's kind of scary. <laughs> well, you've got great taste outside of music. And we're learning food is also a specialty of yours. So very interesting person, to say the least. So my closer, any last words for the kids? Um, yeah, I just want to actually thank everyone for, um, you know, support and love over the years. And uh, to all the kids that are, you know, wanting to start music and are into music right now, never give up. Keep on writing. Keep on doing what you do. Um, get yourself a good lawyer if you want to come into this industry um, at first and then surrounding yourself with great people and and honestly the world needs more healing art right now so i think that there's gonna be a surge of great albums coming out of this time so um but i you know what i mean it's i i'm, I'm a big supporter of, of young musicians always have been um and uh my advice just to keep on going and keep playing keep rocking never give up and don't let anyone tell you you can't do it because i was told that many many times as a kid so yeah Makes sense to me. Thank you so much for your time. Congratulations on this great new record. Hope the next one comes out sooner than six years from now. <laughs> but yeah, look forward to seeing you live in New York when things get normal again. I love, love to, absolutely. Well, you take care and thank you so much. For Thanks, Corey. Have a good one. See you later. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.
Next up is my interview with the Good Brothers. If you're a wrestling fan, you definitely know who these guys are. If you're not, let me enlighten you. The Good Brothers is a trio of wrestlers who are doing a lot more than wrestling these days. That's Doc Gallows, Carl Anderson, and Rocky Romero. When I say that they're doing more than wrestling, they're not just appearing on weekly television. In the case of Gals and Anderson, they're on the Impact Wrestling roster, which airs Tuesdays on Access TV here in the States. They're also behind a brand called Talkin' Shop. It's a podcast. It's been a TV special on Access TV. It's a series of pay-per-views that they've produced themselves. I think it's a beer somewhere in the Georgia area. Either way, you have guys who used to be in WWE who have been taking things into their own hands the past few years. Not even just the past few years. I'd say close to a decade now they've been doing things their way and doing them in an interesting, interactive, fun way. And I had the pleasure of speaking with Rocky, Doc, and Carl all at the same time on video through Zoom. So this one is on my YouTube channel you quickly pick up on the fact that these are really funny, interesting guys who would be doing these things even if they weren't paid to do them. I think you're going to like this one even if you're not a diehard wrestling fan. There is Rocky. Rocky, thank you for doing this, man. Rocky, Rocky, (laughs) Rocky. (laughs) That fit as always. So, Rocky, I was giving those guys a compliment, and I want you to weigh in on this one as well. When I interviewed them back in July, And I said, hey, so what are you guys up to besides signing with Impact? Gallows was saying, well, you know, we're working on a TV project, and we've got all these big things happening. And it happened. How often is it that somebody's talking about having a project and it happened? (laughs) That Access TV special is great, guys. Thank you, man. Thanks for watching that. We appreciate it. Yeah, we need to tell our boss you liked it. Yeah. (laughs) Really really got to let them know. We got great feedback, but let those guys know that you want more of that stuff. I think there'll be more more cool shit coming down the pike. And just like just like right now, we're 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 gearing up for Talking Shop of Mania too. There's one thing about the Talking Shop boys, the Good Brothers, Rocky. We're, well, we're all the Good Brothers now. Yeah. Uh, there, there's always another project. As soon as that project ends, another one starts, and it goes on yeah. and on and on and again. And that's just that's the way we like to keep it rolling and keep it moving. It's been uh, it's been really good for us since that's, since April. That's you the know hustle what? We're going to Shop. Go ahead. Yeah, yeah. So, so soon we're going to have a show like Howard Stern, right? Yeah, and, of course. Like, just to let you know. So we're going to be on like a satellite radio and it's going to be like a $1 billion deal. So I'm going to just go ahead <laughs> and put that shit. I'm going to put that shit out there so you can be the one put to it hear it. And it's going to happen. When it happens, we can have another interview about we'll it. We'll have another <laughs> interview. We'll talk yeah. about it more. <laughs> well, that is an actually interesting comparison right there because did some or all of you grow up as Howard Stern fans? Yeah, yep. we, we like Stern. For sure. Yep. For okay, sure, well, yeah. Stern fans know about the whack pack you got. Beetlejuice. Oh, we, we, we have we have the minions, brother. They're the, yeah. They are our whack pack. That's the kind of where he was. That's pack. where he was yeah. getting at. That's For sure really where I was going. So when you yeah. look at a great battle royal with pelvis Wesley, <laughs> um, you do you guys officially call them the minions? Yes, yes. they know they're minions. Uh, for a long time. We kind of called, I've always had minions in my life, guys who hung around wrestling on the, the outskirts of it or worked Me for my too. indie shows or Me whatever. And I Carl the did. same way. Rocky never um, did. Yeah. And, then, and then, you know, the more familiar we got with each other, he started calling them my minions. And then they, 
materialized into television characters for us. And now they've been on pay-per-view. They've been on TV. I think these minions owe us some royalties and I'm going to be pissed off until we get some checks in the mail from them. <laughs> well, I can see us. Can't you see us sitting around like Howard Stern style and you have, you know, Yo, you have these, yes. these, these, these guys come in and we interview them yeah. about their lives. Cause George even, North and whoever. Yeah. yeah. When we're just sitting around talking to these guys anyway, we're asking when we should probably be working, we start asking them questions about their personal life. And they well, start we start, us, and yeah, we start laughing. We start, laugh, we start laughing because we can't take it. And then it, just, fucked it up. Just, yeah, it escalates from there because they all have some kind of fucked up shit going on. And, and, and we just have those personalities. Like I have an idiot, like magnet that's embedded in my chest. Goof so magnet. Goof they're magnet. everywhere. Well, it's idiots, a, goofs, yeah. whatever you want. But goof magnet's a little nicer way of putting it. But we're all, all right. fucked up, right? That's, that's why we're who we are. I right. that it's nothing but greatness because you're giving people what they want. That's how I look at it. There's an audience for what you guys are putting out there and have been putting out there. And before I throw a sensible question to Rocky, I have to say the most endearing thing about the Access TV special you had is that Scott was on commentary with you guys. <laughs> he gets it. The impact people get it. So I'm looking at guys who maybe six months ago were worried about behaving well. And now you guys look like you can do whatever you want within reason and are having the times of your lives. That's Scott about the most accurate anybody's ever said it. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> when, like, Pelvis Wesley, when he finally in, entered, I, I started, I started hyena giggling. Like I was, <laughs> I sounded like a little, like a, like a child. And then Scott starts laughing, hyena laughing too. And then we're just both losing. We're all just losing. And he he's actually a pretty normal guy. He's not even really a man. Yeah, a little bit. No, yeah. But, but, but Scott, Scott certainly is in tune with our sense of humor. Hence his appearances on Talking Shop, a mania and, uh, and full keg and a hell of a cameo in Talking Shop of Mania 2 that nobody's going to expect. So, yeah. Wow, I'm looking forward to that. Now, taking it over to, to Rock, uh, people who have been listening to your podcast know you're a man of many hats. You're not just a talent wrangler. You're not just a hell of a hand in the ring. I'm at definitely a wrangler, firm. that's for sure. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you also <laughs> make beats and you rhyme and you've got a great new single and all that. Uh, plus, we've seen you on television. You're an actor. How do we describe Rocky Romero these days? Because just saying professional wrestler really doesn't do it justice. Oh, man. Uh, a renaissance man. I mean, oh, I like that. Oh. Renaissance <laughs> rock. We're just all, we're just all Renaissance rock, baby. Renaissance rock. I, yeah, think, no. <laughs> I think rock jumped into the foray of like, Car of commercials like years before we even wanted to and he made a yeah. bunch of money on this honda commercial i'm gonna put you out there now <laughs> yeah he uh really? he's also he's got some underground pornography out there too if you dig deep. i don't know well, I'm, what? Jesus. I'm just trying to help the brand. i'm trying to start an only fans that's the next year that's what everybody's making down <laughs> yeah. hold up Hold up, can we start an OnlyFan? I mean, we can, yeah, right? I mean, yeah, we can you do know, whatever we want. I guess. That, that's where we can finally debut Cock Tartar. <laughs> you guys are going to laugh at this, but I actually had a preliminary conversation with OnlyFans, and they go like, well, what, what would you guys do on there? And I was like, oh, I guess oh, never Torture mind. our cock. <laughs> <laughs> well, the, we, the torturer character, of course, has been around a long time. And I do remember... Yeah. Although we look at Talk and Shop, the pay-per-view from a couple months ago is the official debut. I remember the one that you guys did from Japan. Uh, so that was <laughs> interesting. Rocky, did you actually edit that? Have you been editing the video and the audio all along? 
well, the first one I completely edited on my iPhone or something, or, yeah, or iPad or <laughs> iPad, something. Yeah, and, iPad. and the and the thing is, is, it kept on crashing, so it was such a pain <laughs> in the ass to put that that first uh, talking. We call it the talking shop movie. Uh, it's like a thirty minute movie. It's on um, Vimeo, or if you join the Patreon at patreon.com slash talking shop, you can get it for free. Uh, yep. So, um, but yeah, I, that that thing was kind of the first experiment in um, making a, a video product, kind of what you know in the in the sense of humor of talking shop, and especially you know Gallows and Anderson's sense of humor, really. Um, but uh, <laughs> which is really which really turns into yours, but. Did of we course. sell that for like 99 cents or something? But something like that. Yeah. Whatever yeah. it was. When we it came were, out, we didn't. We were recording the podcast, right? Talking shop on an iPhone. And it started to get, and when I say a hit, like a hit to us, right? right. And then I'm going to say legit hit right there. We sold enough of those talking shop movies for 99 cents that we bought this badass thing that you could record pod with microphones and right, things, right. man. Like well, we were supposed to have four of them, but as usual, Rocky embezzled some of the money to add to his sock <laughs> yeah. collection out in Los Angeles. Yeah. Rocky always embezzles a little bit. He takes uh, a little off the top. Yeah, he's a, he's a Renaissance Rock is a skimmer, we like to say. Because <laughs> yeah. we've always made just a little bit more money than him. And so he he knows he knows that we're just not, we're not as smart when it comes to like looking at the finances. So he picks a little off the top. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They, you guys trust me too much. That's what it is. is that why yeah, so many jobs. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> Trying to get a little bit here, a little bit there, you know. Renaissance man. And as Renaissance you can tell, man. as you can tell by this interview, we don't we, we never let him talk. So <laughs> <laughs> there's so much gold, and it's interesting to see that you guys have a back catalog because when you do a podcast every week or even just every other week, and it's an hour to an hour and a half each time, you guys are legitimately sitting on what two, three hundred hours of content besides your pay per views. Yeah, yeah well, probably. But the yeah. thing with us is like we can sit in a room and talk forever. Like Brian Myers tells this story when we were on the road of, when we were working for New York and we'd sat in a car together, Machine Gun and I, for four and a half hours and we couldn't find a hotel and we're out in the middle of the Dakotas somewhere and we get in this little, literally like a fishing camp because the weather's terrible, we got to pull over. So it's like cabins, but they're attached to each other. And we and had they asked us that we, they, we had food and we needed to put the food away and they said, well, you can come put it in the free. This is a hotel on the road with the WWE. And they say, you can put your food into our freezer. They open the freezer up, and there's like seven dead birds because it's a hunting yeah. lodge. It's a I hunting lodge. It wasn't a hotel. It was a hunting lodge, and they had, they had their fowl out there uh, frozen for the, for the hunters to take home. There was an uh, owl. There was an owl in there, too. <laughs> I don't think you're allowed to shoot owls. <laughs> so it was an illegal hunting lodge. <laughs> yeah, it was an illegal hunting. It was a poaching lodge, I think. But we weren't going to say anything because we needed a bed to sleep in. But the point of the story is, 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 is Myers – Myers hears us, and we got a handle of uh, of, of, of adult beverage with us, Uncle and we sit up we sit up for you know two or three more hours. He gets in the car the next day and he goes, "Brat, brat, what the hell could you two possibly have to talk about? You were in the car for four and a half hours, and all you do is talk to each other and laugh at the same stupid stories. Then you go to a hotel and do it for three more hours, and we're like, yeah, we like to talk to each other, but we do." <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> So yeah, two hundred hours of content. We have nothing. That's yeah. nothing. thousands. And We've thousands never even told that story on the podcast. <laughs> right? We never have. Wow. Well, you just mentioned Brian Myers, who's a great addition to the Impact roster. Your 100%. buddy Keith. Uh, yep. I think we're still waiting to see if he's at a free agency. But the bottom line is, you guys look like you've found a way to make a living just hanging out with your friends and. <laughs> 
And Hall, the real Hall, the new age Hall and Nash right here. Well, that boss did call us out on television, so it might be a little bit of a shoot ski there, hoot ski. I guess I'm X Pac. Huh? Yeah. Hey, X Pac's a great worker, right? Hell yeah. Uh, yeah. Who, who doesn't who doesn't like you know, you dream about we used to talk about starting a business together when we were in New Japan, but like we just never did. You know, we had no maybe, time either. We also weren't, we also weren't, you know, you, so you got to have a little money to start business, right? Yeah. <laughs> so the world think, wasn't think, ready at that time. And the world just oh. wasn't ready. And then, and then COVID hit, we got canned and it was like, let's, let's go now. Oh, so, it, here we go. It was beautiful the way that it all came into, you know, worked out for us. It sucks what's going on in the world, but right. you know, that's what talking shop mania kind of is because we always liked that we could make people laugh outside of our serious wrestling stuff. So if we could put a pay-per-view on and we can't have an audience anyway, so we do it from the house. And we bring all these guys in who are our buddies who are down to do this crazy, wacky shit that we want to do. And uh, everybody had a good time making it. We were nervous as shit. And then it got great reviews and it did a buy rate. And we went, holy shit. Now we have to do a sequel. <laughs> we, all, we always say this, right? Like we, uh, we you know, with our new, our new contract we just signed, we had, we had first class flights all over the world. So we had first class flights set to go to Australia, Singapore, wherever we were going all the way until December. So if COVID didn't hit, man, we're not getting fired and magic ain't happening. So I mean like, yeah, it's a, shit, it, was a, it was a weird blessing for us. Shit all happens for a reason. And there's a reason why the reason why everything happened for us the way it did. And, and now I'm, we're having more fun than we've ever had in our professional oh, careers. So, And uh, three quick questions, and then you guys are free men for me, and you can continue the media blitz. First thing, <laughs> we will ever see Nature Boy Paul Lee in Impact. Boy, if it – well, I'll tell will. you this. If, if God willing. Amount, if the amount of times that he's asked Carl Anderson and I to get him on to the Impact show – if one one hundredth of that works, then absolutely yes, and he'll probably be world champion because we, we get multiple messages per day from from the quote unquote nature boy with five O's in his woo about getting him on television immediately. So you saw his bar on television, you saw him on television at Full Keg. It's not enough. The nature needs more. Let me here's tell you Nature's, here, here's Nature's problem, though, right? Like, we want him on, but every time we want him on, he shoots himself in the foot by saying something stupid. <laughs> Says something stupid, does something stupid, tries to undercut somebody. Like, it's, 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 it's talking shopper mania, but in real life. Let me <laughs> tell you something. It's a work in progress. He's going to be world champ of talking shopper mania one day for oh, sure. That guy. Not, not if I still have the pencil, pal. No, 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 no. It's two against one on that one. I know, I know Carl agrees. Agrees with me. I'm gonna Kevin Sullivan your asses and put that's gonna be over. that's gonna be a long build though. Motherfucker ain't ready yet. Question two: Besides Impact, Tuesday nights on Access TV, best TV show to watch these days? I'd say Talking Shop of Mania for sure. When those pay per view specials come out, other than that, we're just trying to make up content of our own. So I don't really know. <laughs> yeah. Good answer. Yeah. Well, your, your new single is what? Well, since we didn't get a TV recommendation, your new single that people should be looking at uh, is called what? Rolly, yeah, it's out on uh, November thirteenth in the uh, in the morning, I believe. You know, it, it's all a part of of, of this whole talking shop of mania weekend and kind of what we're uh, we're trying to prep for the fans. Uh, we've also got this big boozing with the boys, which is our version of like. Uh, you know, it's on our Patreon. You can come and hang out with us for about an hour, an hour and 15 minutes before the pay-per-view starts. Last time, a certain friend of ours, Chris Jericho, showed up to say hello. We have, you know, Chavo might show up. You don't know who's going to show up to this Chico? thing. So, 
Could Chico you, could show Chico up. Chico could show I mean, up. Yeah, I'm going to be watching it with a live audience in Savannah, Georgia. The boys will be in L.A. and in Tampa, respectively. So it's going to be off the chain. And then the last 20 to 30 minutes of that is going to air on Fight TV. So everybody watching on Fight will be able to see this Patreon, this boozing with the boys going down. So it's it's all part of what we got going on, man. Uh, Talking Shop of Mania is November the 13th, 10 p.m. Worldwide pay-per-view. I pay-per-view via the Fight app where you can pre-order now. And it is the eve of the Impact Wrestling Turning Point Special on the Impact Plus app where Machine Gun and I take on the North for the Impact Wrestling World Tag Team titles. So, man, we got a lot of cool stuff going on with that. TNSmania.com, all things that pertain to the boys of Talk and Shop. Uh, alcohol links, updated live event information. We got the first ever Talk and Shop live coming to Baltimore, Maryland at Jimmy's Seafood on November the 22nd, 6 p.m., all your favorite talking shop characters, followed by some kind of wrestling pay-per-view, I guess we're going to watch. Please follow our animated series at The Real Gimmicks. I'm done plugging, guys. I can go on forever. Man, you're oh, great yeah, at that. Week. We'll just so keep going. Natural and a half. And the closer, instead of asking any last words for the kids, who's the best lead singer of Van Halen? I got nothing. Bad, bad question for the boys. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know. If you would ask about Cody Jenks, I could have answered. No <laughs> way. Okay, uh, Van Halen. Van Halen. <laughs> yeah, Eddie, Eddie Van Halen, right? Eddie Van Halen, Daddy. I think he played the guitar, right? OU812, yeah, yeah. right? Wasn't <laughs> OU812 a big he album? Been, he should have been. Yes, it was. Uh, See, there we go. He should have been the lead singer, guys. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> the know, so Dave Lee been. Roth, but it's okay. David Lee oh, Roth. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I knew That's that. That's what we I meant. That. I knew that. Yep. I well, knew that the Adam Sandler song. Exactly, exactly. Well, thank you guys so much for your time, your effort. All the great years of entertainment. I'm looking forward to seeing what's coming up soon. Thanks, Thank good you, brother. brother. Thanks for having Thanks, us. Bro. Thanks, bro. Thanks for having us. We appreciate Thanks, it. Thanks, Last, but definitely not least, is my interview with David Duchovny. Yes, that David Duchovny that you've probably been watching for decades as an actor who's also directed and written a lot of things. Well, David's also an accomplished musician. His next album is coming out soon, but... Earlier this season, he released a new single called Lane on the Tracks, which Rolling Stone helped premiere. A lot of people are talking about it. It has a bit of a political message, and it came out before Election Day. Either way, David and I spoke about his musical career, his musical endeavors, what got him into music. Very interesting guy who knows his stuff, but also very modest. He pokes fun at his guitar playing skills and songwriting and all that during the interview, but this is clearly a guy who learned from the greats before he dipped his toes in the metaphorical musical waters. Either way, I really, really enjoyed speaking with David. Fun and funny guy who has a lot of stories to tell. Hope to get to speak to him again in the future. Thanks for listening. Again, you from New York or L.A.? New York. Well, great to speak New York to New York here. Is your day going so far, aside from your dog being a little needy? <laughs> it's good. You've got a, a serious uh, game room behind you with a lot of photographs of your own Miss Pac-Man. Is, that, is this your house? Uh, yeah, it's our apartment on Long Island, New York. Uh, I uh, assume you've been out here. <laughs> Where? Uh, Long Beach, New York. Uh, on Long yes. Island. Yeah, yeah, I've been to Long Beach, yeah. yeah. Cool. Well, yeah. hey, I want to congratulate you on a great new single, which you had Rolling Stone premiere. Yeah. Is the new album done, or is this just kind of a one-off? <clears throat> the new album is, 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 is done all but the, the final mixes. Uh, we, we have, I think, 14 songs that we're, are ready. 
but I wanted this song to come out before the election. So we, we focused all our energies on just getting that one mixed and kind of drop the other 13 for a, a few weeks. And now, you know, depending on COVID rules and being able to mix the rest, you know, it should be done within the next month or so, I would say. Was any of it recorded in a home studio kind of setup? No. I mean, we have a, a little spot in Long Island City, which is not Long Island at all. No, it's not. <laughs> More skyscrapers. It's actually in Queens. Uh, it's just one of those things. Uh, so we, get, we have a little space in Long Island City that we can record in. Uh, we recorded some of this in the Catskills at a really nice uh, studio up there, but uh, nothing in terms of like home stuff, no. Interesting. Did you say, hey, it's going to be a new album and you did a bunch of sessions? Or is it a one track at a time kind of approach to everything? Uh, more like one, <clears throat> one track approach. And then at some point we'll go, hey, it seems like we've got like 15 songs. Um, maybe we should start to, you know, work on making them songs, real songs, you know, and like finish, see if we can finish any of them <clears throat> and see what we got. And then, you know, audition 14 of them and release 10 of them, that kind of a thing. When you were doing press in the first album, people were asking you about your creative approach and you'd said that the lyrics came easy to you and it was the music that was the tough part. Is this still the case for you on album three? Um, well, I'm still not a good player, you know, I'm, 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 I, I'm good enough with chords and being able to put them together and, and write melodies. Um, I'd say, you know, the music is still probably harder for me because in a way, uh, when I was discovering kind of the classic rock and roll chord progressions, I was excited because they work. Right. And then, and now I'm like, yeah, I moved the capo around a bit, but it's like, <laughs> now I got, now it's time to like really figure out some new shit. Right. So, which could be a problem because it's rock and roll. It doesn't have to be new shit. You know, it's like, it's rock and roll. So, uh, I don't know. Uh, part of like, to me, it was new and therefore mm -hmm. exciting and it's still exciting to me, but it's, it's less new. Um, so I'd say on the, on the one hand, it's probably the music is easier for me now, but it's also like I'm demanding a little more of myself. When you started playing guitar, how long was it before you could do bar chords? <laughs> I, I still don't love bar chords. Uh, uh, <laughs> you know, it, it's funny. There was a, before I played guitar, there was a line in a Californication episode that uh, my friend Bart Freundlich directed. I can't remember who wrote the line, but it was a guy who's teaching my daughter guitar. And he said to her, uh, bar chords are the key to rock and roll. And I didn't even know what a bar chord was at the time, but for some reason <laughs> I always remember that line and uh, I'm, still, I'm still trying to get there. But it probably took, I probably, you know, I played B minor, you know, I had to play B minor bar chord forever, uh, but to kind of be comfortable playing bar chords probably two years yeah you were saying before that the roots of rock and roll are great songs is often 
bar chords and without bar chords, the Ramones, a lot of the greatest rock bands, there's nothing without bar chords for right. the most part. And when I look at a song of yours like Let It Rain, it's an interesting rhythmic approach where it sounds like to my ears that you wrote the melody and then made the guitar match it. Do I have that correct? Um, like the strumming pattern, you mean? Yes. Uh, yeah, that wouldn't be my strumming pattern. Uh, you know, my usually my my like demos or you know when I like put down my song, my strumming pattern is 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 more like a drumming pattern. You know. Okay. And uh, I, I always need to work on my right hand, but um, you know, because it can fall into the same kind of patterns. But um, so I'm I'm pretty much just like keeping the beat. Uh, in terms of like creating an interesting strum, that would really be more, you know, Pat McCusker or, or Colin or, you know, one of those guys who, who comes in and goes, you know, does that nice intro yeah. to, uh, to that. Um, but I did do kind of like this E minor walk down on that, like E minor seven, E minor six, E minor five, something like that. Mm -hmm. That was weird for me because that's just me like learning the different E minor chords there and then right. just like just basically a little walk down that I was capable of because it was just my pinky moving a little bit. And then I was like, that's totally kind of discordant and weird and nice. And and I remember telling Colin, I really want to keep that in there, you know. Wow, okay. A an interesting thing about your musical evolution is you started at an age with playing guitar and writing songs that you're going to release publicly where your taste was already developed. Like, for example, most of the musicians that I speak with, if I talk to Captain Sensible from The Damned and I say, you know, what made you want to start playing music? He'll start talking about the monkeys and Chicago, you know, stuff that maybe is a little embarrassing. A lot of people would uh, start off with bubblegum, but in your case, no, it was the Stones and the Beatles, if I have that correct. But did you start off in metal or punk in any way? No, never did. But you know, it's interesting. Uh, you you bring up. I mean, I loved uh, the Monkees when I was a kid. I loved Chicago too. I, I'm not embarrassed of of loving Chicago. I still think they're they're great. Um, I think a lot of a lot of bands that we are taught to be embarrassed of are uh, they're not. They're, you don't have to be embarrassed of them, you know, because music is uh, if it works, it works. You know, just because certain critics don't like the sophistication of it, you know, or, you know, the idea that the monkeys were a created or a cast band, a band that was cast rather than one that kind of found each other, you know, I mean, the, the distinction is nonsensical to me, you know, so like, it's like, how is it, how is it somehow better that the four lads in Liverpool somehow were born in that city and found each other than these people, you know what I mean? It's like, Kismet is kismet, and you know, music is music. So um, I loved like the art. You know, I remember buying the Archies. I remember buying Sugar Sugar on a forty-five RPM. You know, shit gets in, in a little boy's head. You know, <laughs> and that's that's music. Um, but you know, when I started to, uh, yeah. So so me sixties, seventies. Uh, then when the eighties come along, like. I'm a little less impressionable at that point, you know, a little less impressionable <laughs> to, to uh, punk or to, uh, to the 80s, the new wave or whatever, 
then the 90s comes along and it's a little bit of a repackaging of 60s and you know the the production is different you know and it's more like the power chord shit rather than the an open chord shit so like okay i, I kind of understood that and i felt it and i liked it and then like now i don't know now i'm kind of lost I, I wouldn't know what to tell you <laughs> did you ever uh get into the big star discography because that seems like something i'd be totally up your alley i remember trying to do that i don't know if it, it was entirely successful but <laughs> yeah i remember really i remember reading about it and i was thinking ah, i really want to this guy sounds great, and, and I remember, uh, what is the one, what's the big hit? September Girls was one of them. Yeah, yeah. Um, what's the guy's name? Alex Chilton. Right, Alex Chilton, yes. So, uh, I'm going to make another shot at it, you know, now we're, we're all kind of locked down, so yeah. why not? Yeah, so that actually leads me to another question here the majority of the projects that you have been associated with it as an actor always had great soundtracks. You can't say that about a lot of actors. Is it a coincidence or did you actually have a hand in selecting songs on any of the things like Californication? Mostly a coincidence, uh, but um, Californication, Tom and I, Tom Kapanos, uh, we would talk a lot about music. He, he's a, He's a, he's a good guitar player. He's a real guitar player. Yeah. And a huge guitar fan. I mean, like guitar nerd, uh, you know, knows, knows all the guys, you know, he, and he can really play. Um, but, you know, he, he loved like Motorhead and that kind of stuff that I didn't ever listen to. And, um, but he also had a soft spot for like Elton John, which I did. Um, and, uh, you know, so... I remember talking about High Flying Bird with him, and I, sure. you know, obviously Rocket Man. We, we had the Morning Jacket cover, which is great, and uh, you know we would talk about songs a lot, and sometimes they they'd uh, they'd end up in there. We had great music supervisor whose name is escaping me, Nora Nora something. I'm sorry, and then uh, just it was just really good. You know, and then, you know, Hank was kind of rock and roll, so... Very rock and roll. I think it was kind of reaching out over the years to get guest stars who were involved in the music world, like RZA, Marilyn Manson, uh, Tommy Lee. Rick so Springfield. Yeah, <laughs> Rick Springfield. Uh, yeah, yeah, so it was a lot, a lot of music around. You know, and it was kind of like, to be honest, that's like Tom's fantasy is that a writer is like a rock and roll star. You know, that's kind of, yeah. Know, but like to, to Tom and to many writers, I think, you know, the world would be a just place if writers were treated the way that uh, rock stars were treated. Well, funny thing about Tom, have you ever heard of Rock and Roll Fantasy Camp? Yeah, did Tom go there? I was in a class, they said, hey, you're a writer, if you want to check out any of the classes, interview any of the people, go to it. So I, morbid curiosity, I went to the Ted Nugent one, and I saw <laughs> Tom's name as attending it in the right side. He didn't call any attention to himself. I said, is that the same Tom? That has to be. How many guitar players named Tom yeah. Kapanos can there be? So yeah. it's likely, based on you just said Motorhead, that he's a Nuge guy. <laughs> he, uh, he probably is. Probably not the politics, but maybe. <laughs> yeah, yeah, the politics are a little out there, uh, to say the least. But bringing it back to you in your solo career, having a third album that's almost done, 
does it feel kind of like a, I told them so, like I proved them right, I am an artist, this is not a vanity project, that kind of mindset, or do you not even go there? I don't go there because it was never, never a question to me. I mean, not, not that, not that, oh, I am an artist, but more, like it wasn't a vanity project. It, to me, it was just, well, first it was like, holy shit, I can do this. This is going to happen. I'm, yeah. I'm doing this. I'm, I, and then it was really more like, holy shit, that's so weird. It was something I never, never ever thought would happen in my life. I didn't, I didn't play the guitar. I didn't sing well i didn't you know it was it was like and now here and now all, I, all of a sudden i've written songs and i'm i'm doing this so uh it was almost like it was a very special kind of a feeling and then um you know i understood like uh, people would would say oh you know nobody would listen to this if he wasn't that guy or it's just a vanity project because i from the outside i go yeah okay that that's legitimate but it didn't hurt me because I knew where I was coming from. And and now, like, at, at the third album, I'm like, Jesus, that's kind of a lot of stuff. It's like, right. where did that? Like, wow, I can't believe that. I, I can't imagine I'll ever have a fourth because I just don't know how three came out. You know, it's like, I'm not 19 and writing, you know, six songs a week. I'm not like Tin Pan Alley with some guy over my shoulder saying, you know, write these songs or you're not going to eat. So, um, <laughs> It's it's not it's not so much I told you so more of just like a respect of uh, of, of, of my, I guess a self respect but also respect of the band and, and of our process and, and like of like sticking uh, together and really kind of starting to work as a as an entity as a musical entity you know which I need I mean I'm not like a solo artist I'm not a good enough player I'm not a good enough anything so. Well, have, I didn't say that. You said that you're not good enough. I didn't say that. Right. Well, no, I tell you, like, if I were to go on yeah. stage, just me and a guitar, you know, it might be great, but it, it wouldn't be technically great, you know, so. But when you're at this point in your career, when you've got the third album, there's certain thresholds that you hit that you wouldn't be at the first or second. For example, you technically could do a best of greatest <laughs> album. You have to have a company administering your publishing and collecting those mechanical royalties. It really yeah. is reaching this new kind of threshold. And sure. you get the third album done, and probably you do start thinking about that fourth one. Yeah, exactly. Um, the good news is there's probably already eight songs that I've not, that won't have been released that are, that are close to being recorded and done. So I can, kind of like go deaf and dumb for a year and still have like I could come out with like a, a short kind of small album but uh, it, it, it is the fact yeah you know uh, I guess the way I, I look at it too is like I could do a whole concert without really having to do a cover you know or I could I could do a concert and like I, I wouldn't even get to half the songs you know and that, that's that's a weird feeling because at first when we were doing uh, uh, concerts would be like, yeah, we got to pad this out. You know what covers right. we get? Right. So it is a growing discography and all that. If things do progress in a positive way, live concerts happen, all that. Would it be the plan to maybe make your career that it's fifty percent music, fifty percent acting, or even more so favoring the music? I don't think so because it's. Uh, I, 
I don't know. I just never thought it would be possible to kind of have enough popularity in that area to, to really sustain, I mean, uh, to sustain a career, uh, you know, a solo one, one career. Um, or, and, or I, I don't really have an interest in, in not acting or not uh, novel writing or not directing or anything like that. So um, I kind of never look at it that way. I, if I were to do that, I would really want to be a better guitar player. I'd really, I'd, I'd, I'd like to take six months and I'd say, fuck it, you know, you've got to play, you know, five hours a day and then see where you are at that point. Because, you know, being old, I'm not going to get that much better, but I'll get better. So it sounds like, again, not just music, not just acting, directing, writing. You did have a novel before your first solo album came out. It sounds like you're just creating every day in some form, whether or not people hear it or see it immediately. Well, yeah, that's the, that's the thing. I mean, it all kind of grew out of uh, my frustration or my... Uh, my uh, ingestion of the actor's lifestyle, which is really one of waiting and, and, of, and of downtime. Even when you're working a lot, you have a lot of downtime. And I guess I started to really feel like, oh, I need to do so. I need to, I need to do something else in, the, in these hours that I'm on set or, or, or waiting to work or waiting to go back to work. Right. And, and uh, so yes, you're right. I think I personally, as a as a person, need to be making shit all the time. <laughs> well, yeah. that's I couldn't say that any better myself. So uh, <laughs> do you have time for two quick questions, and then you're a free man. Yeah, sure. Okay, first one. TV obviously it hits home because you're an actor, but do you have a TV recommendation that you could pass along that people might be sleeping on, people not might not be watching, but should be? Oh. Um, I don't know if anybody's sleeping on it, but I really enjoyed uh, Dark, that German uh, miniseries. Um, it's really stylish and good, well acted, I thought. Um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know what else, but did you watch that? Uh, my wife did. She's more the dark European horror <laughs> person. Uh, right. I, I look for the dumb comedies, the documentaries, and the stuff like, hey, Larry Sanders show. That's one of the reasons I'm a David Duchovny guy. Your story arc on that show. Yeah. Miss, Miss Gary all the time. Uh, such, a, such a great artist he was and such a, such a good friend to, to miss. Um, but... Uh, yeah, Sanders. Sanders is great. I mean, you know, I, th I don't think a lot of people know how good Sanders was. I think top five shows of all time, and one day people will kind of discover it, and they'll see your great story arc towards the end of it. So take that compliment. And my closer for you is any last words for the kids? Keep your chin up. You know, it always seems like it's the worst, and it's – as long as we're still breathing, it's not the worst yet. It is bad. It will get better. Vote. <laughs> Vote indeed. Well, again, congratulations in advance on getting the whole album out. Hope to see you live at the Paramount on Long Island or wherever you play when things get normal again. Thank you. I appreciate it. Thanks, David. Take care. Right. Bye. Outrocast.
Thanks for checking out the Paltrowcast with Darren Paltrowitz, produced by V13 Media. Theme song by Steve Schiltz. Audio mixing by Mark Pirro. Until next time, have a great Shabbos. Paltrowcast.